Here at Shaun of the South, we're keeping our hands sharp with the help of Case Knives, the sponsor of this episode. A tradition of my family for generations, my granddaddy used to say the best cure for idle hands was to build something. But in today's day and age, everything's done with a click, a swipe, or a tap. But how about we put away the screens and put your hands to work with a Case Knife. Hey, you are listening to Shaun of the South, and I'm your host tonight, Sean Dietrich. And man, we've got a great show lined up ahead of here tonight. Great show coming to you live via the podcast airwaves and the radio waves all over this fine nation. These people you see behind me with this lovely young woman fixing to play music for you tonight is Hearts Gone South, everybody. Hearts Gone South.
This portion of our program is brought to you by Visit North Alabama, the Mountain Lakes Tourist Association. Travel to visit the 16 North Alabama counties that make this state what it is. Festivals, attractions, and restaurants all over Alabama. Bunn County, Cherokee County, Colbert County, Coleman County, DeKalb County, Edward County, Franklin County, Jackson County, Lauderdale County, Lawrence County, Limestone County, Madison County, Marion County, Marshall County, Morgan County, Winston County. <laughs> Or visit the Horton Mill Bridge just off Alabama 75, about five miles north of Aniana. Built in 1935, all the work was done strictly by hand tools. Think about that for a second. Or how about the North Alabama Barbecue Trail trek across North Alabama on a holy, sacred pilgrimage of saturated fat and slow-smoked pork? Other states do their barbecue differently than they do in Alabama, and that's not to say that they don't do it right. But that is absolutely to say that they do it dead wrong. <laughs> Make plans today to visit North Alabama because whatever you want to do, you can do it better in North Alabama. Look them up at Visit North Alabama or NorthAlabama.org or hashtag VisitNorthAL. <laughs> now we're going to have a little tune here, another tune here from Hearts Gone South, everybody. Hearts Gone South.
time to spread your wings, to see the world and chase your dreams. Your feet will be steady and your a little bit of our mail, a little bit of our mail this evening sent in to us from listeners all over this nation who had nothing better to do than to, to get a pen and paper and write down some precious thoughts or to send us an email or to possibly give us their social security number, credit card information. The first letter comes from Michelle Gonzalez, Hoover, Alabama. Hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. My son's birthday is this coming week and he will be 14 years old. He and I listen to your show Sometimes when we're on the way to ball practice or church, and if I'm awake enough in the mornings, we even listen to it on the way to school. He just had appendectomy surgery, and he's getting to eat all the food he wants, and Mama don't ask no questions, and he's taking full advantage of it. I just wanted to wish my boy a happy birthday. He will freak out when he hears his name over the car radio. His name is Greg. Well, dear Greg Gonzalez, from everybody here tonight, happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday. Larry Chester, Coffeville, Kansas. Hey, Sean, long-time listener, first-time writer. I like your show about fried chicken. I can relate. I go to a tiny church I've been attending since I was three years old. When my mother started going there, I... Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. We'll interrupt this broadcast for an important public service announcement from the concerned Florida and Alabama citizens brought to you by... The United Coalition for Less Snakes in Florida and Alabama, or the UCFLSIFAA for short. Uh, we know you hate to talk about snakes, and we don't blame you. Nobody wanted to read this out over the air, so we forced our way onto the air. But we are taking this seriously. Did you know that snakes have become a problem across the panhandle of Florida and the southern parts of Alabama? And this snake population in this area has tripled within the past year. They have invaded subdivisions, neighborhoods, and even crawled up through people's toilets. <laughs> and they haven't stopped there. They have made their way into our daily lives, injecting themselves into rose gardens, flower beds, pot and sheds, women's Bible studies, PTA meetings, and U.S. Congress. Now, if any other demographic had tripled in one year, we would show a little more concern than we have been showing about the snake population. 
Say, for instance, the number of hipsters in your local town. That would be cause for alarm, triple the amount of hipsters. Or, for instance, semi-trucks, or buffaloes, or Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> but because snakes are easily hidden from the public eye and in the grass, less community attention is being given to the threat they pose on our way of life, and that's because people are afraid to mention the coming onslaught of snakes which await us. That's where the UCFLSIFAA has banded together with local authorities to help control the snake population and we as concerned Floridian and Alabama citizens are saying enough is enough. So join the UCFLSIFAA today and let's rid our world of this infestation of reptiles and save our children and above all save the sanctity of our private moments on the toilet bowl. So call the UCFLSIFAA today. Also, I'm not just a member, I'm the president. So it's another, another public service announcement. All right. Ah, this is a public service announcement from the UCFLSITAA which is the United Coalition for Less Ticks in Florida and Alabama. We weren't gonna do our announcement, it says here, but since the UCFLSIFAA got free airtime for their public service announcement against snakes, and because this broadcast is an equal opportunity broadcast, we're entitled to our 15 seconds to talk about ticks. Well, the tick problem is on the rise this year, and we would like to invite you to join our cause to help control the tick population in our part of the world, because last year scientists discovered that the local tick population increased by 16 times its size from the year before. Now, if this trend continues, scientists estimate the tick population 10 years from now will be at such an exponential number that you will not be able to see anything green on the earth because all the leaves and plants will be covered in little deer ticks. Good news is you can help. So call the UCFLTIFAA today and make your pledge. Operators are standing by. All right, let's get back to reading some mail here. Oh, another. Oh, really? Another. Another message. All right. Well, we got another public service announcement here, folks. This is from the from the UCOBAD Foundation, the United Coalition of Baptists Against Dates. Dear listen, we as Baptists want to ask you a question. Have you ever been to a wedding reception and heard play that funky music, White Boy, played by the DJ? Or have you ever felt the lure of sin making your feet tap and your hips gyrate when you hear James Brown singing, Get Up Off of That Thing? Well, we here at the UCOBAD would like to tell you that there is hope for your future. Get on the phone today and call the United Coalition of Baptists Against Dancing will help set you free from the lures of sin. All right, I think that's enough public service announcement for today. Let's get back to reading our letters. Dan Frost, Houston, Texas. Dear Sean, I just wanted to say that I appreciate your show. So does my mother. She is actually the one who started listening to your stuff. She's in an assisted living facility but she has a huge group of friends and they're always doing stuff together in the rec room. One of her friends found your articles and I guess it led to your podcast. She is a fan now. When I visited her, her name was Eleanor, she turned one of your shows on for me and it kind of shocked me because I didn't know that my mother even knew how to use her iPad. 
that well. But it came over the iPad speaker and she plugged it into a little stereo that my sister bought for her, for her. And there was the sound of a bluegrass band. And I was like, Mom, who is this? And she said, oh, this is Sean. As if I was supposed to know who you were. Oh, Sean, I know you've probably had higher aspirations in your life than being played in nursing homes on iPads. But it means a lot to me and my mom. And we even talk about you like you're friends. So now I listen to your show. So that's it. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks for your show from your friend in Houston, Dan. Well, dear Dan, thank you for the kind letter. And thank you to your mother, Eleanor, for tuning in each week. Marsha Christenberry, Montgomery, Alabama. Sean, I had a dream last night about my husband, who's been gone for many years. He was a happy guy and he always wore a smile on his face. I haven't had a dream about him in a long time, but last night I felt like it was a dream that was meaningful, so I kind of wanted to share it. He was dressed up like we were getting ready to go somewhere out on the town in his nice clothes, and I never felt so happy. The dream only lasted a few seconds, but it was wonderful. He died 16 years ago of pancreatic cancer, and it seemed like yesterday to me. It seems like yesterday to me now. I never thought I'd be a widow this young, but here I am. I'm okay though, I don't want you to feel bad for me. I just had this dream, and when I woke up, I half expected him to be beside me. But the only thing beside me was my dog, Belle who hogs the bed covers. I just wanted you to know that you should hold your wife tight and anyone who listens to your show to hold their loved ones tight because nobody knows when you're gonna lose somebody. So make the memories now. Make each day matter. Do more fun stuff than work stuff. I wish I could go back and do it all over again. I would have taken more time off work and we would have traveled a lot more. I know that. I don't want you to get me wrong. I'm not regretting anything. I'm just seeing my life from a different perspective now. So to anybody who's listening tonight, enjoy the love you have while you still have it. Thank you very much for reading my letter. Marsha. Well, dear Marsha, and dear everybody who's listening to this, whether you have your loved ones with you or whether you don't, I don't think it would be said any better the way Marsha said it. I don't think anyone could have said it any better. But I'm going to give it a shot. Laugh as much as you can. Smile even more. Go to more barbecues and cookouts and shrimp bowls and little league games and birthday parties and cookouts. Take more time off and see more of this world. Visit national parks. Go to the state fair the carnival, the 5K race for breast cancer, or the peanut festival in Dothan, Alabama, the watermelon festival, or the blueberry festival in Bruton, Alabama, or the possum festival. Go to a movie, go on a date, sit on the porch, call your mama, and tell the most important people in your life that you love them. And once you've said it several times, go ahead and say it a few more, just for good measure. And remember, from your friends here tonight, please consider joining the UCFLSIFAA to rid our area of excess snakes. And that's letters from our listeners. 
lately it has been so so hot this is the time of year when people start gathering together in their little clapboard churches with the tin roofs and the crooked steeples that lean a little bit to the left and the ushers stand on the porch in their white suits with their white patent leather shoes and their lamb chop sideburns. They dress like 1974 because they're old and old men have not grasped the idea that Velcro shoes are not in fashion. <laughs> These churches gather together and they talk about the heat and the way you talk about heat and fundamentalist religion is you talk about hell. <laughs> hell is talked about during the summer because it becomes a little more real to us. It becomes a little more real when you can talk about the fires of the underworld and you're feeling the fires of Western Florida. <laughs> we got a lot of things that plague us during the summers in Western Florida and South Alabama. 
a lot of things that resemble the plagues which plagued old time Egypt during the Exodus. We got yellow flies that are about the size of Shetland ponies. We got big old, big old mosquitoes that you could harness and you could put a saddle on and ride them all the way to West Virginia. We got heat that will put a boil on a pig's butt from a hundred yards away. You can look around and you can see the little ponds and the swamps and they're boiling. They're boiling over. You could cook and you could soft cook an egg in there. That is summertime. What a better time to hold a potluck outside with your fundamentalist friends and talk about the fires of hell and invite a few out of town sinners. They might take heed to what you're talking about when you tell them that they are in danger of going down and dwelling with the devil forever if they have ever once moved their foot in rhythm to a wedding reception band playing, if they have ever once danced in their life because we're Baptists, we're fundamentalists, we do not dance. We do not dance like my pastor used to say when he gripped the pulpit. He'd grip it hard and he'd say, don't look inside that cosmopolitan magazine. Don't look inside that cosmopolitan magazine because they have ads for liquor. <laughs> yes, yes, I remember the sermons of my youth. The hot weather brings these out in me. I remember these sermons on how they used to go, and I remember the feeling I used to get when the preacher would preach them. And I remember how real it would seem when the Sunday school teacher, Miss Arnold, would talk to us in her loud sing-songy voice and her 13-foot-tall beehive hairdo. She'd speak about the judgment cometh, and she'd talk about the moon turning to blood and the sea turning to pus and the big old creature coming out of the water uh, uh, with the seven horns and the 57,000 eyeballs holding a, a, a television underneath his arm that was broadcasting Three's Company. <laughs> These are the things you think about on hot summer days when you grew up the way I did. We were, we were kind of people who, who were not very interested in having fun during the summer. When my father was alive, we used to have to go on these things called evangelism runs. And during the summertime, when everybody else was out fishing and having a good time, baiting their hooks with worms out of coffee cans, and when they're out there running around inside the, inside the forests and finding little, little creek spots where the, where the water made a beautiful bubbling noise and where, where it was clear to look through, you could just drink right out of that creek water and you could taste the minerals of the earth. When kids were doing that, we were riding in a station wagon on an evangelism run through the country. These evangelism runs were ridiculously strange. My father had to get a big old pack of tracks from the church. These were gospel tracks with scripture verses written on them. For the wages of sin is death. I am the way, the truth, and the life, that kind of stuff. And we would have to toss them out the windows toward the rural mailboxes when we were driving, driving along these evangelism runs. This is no way to spend your summer. But my father told me that he was, he, was, he was doing this because it was either this or he had to go on a mission trip all the way to New Orleans, Louisiana. And my father said, if I go to New Orleans, Louisiana, it ain't going to be for a mission trip. 
So it was evangelism running during the summer. But if you're lucky, he'd take you fishing and you'd forget all about, forget all about how the wages of sin was death and how you felt, you felt terrible while you're out there throwing these gospel tracts out because you're supposed to evangelize, they say, with a, with a trite heart and, and a happy, happy smile on your face. Uh, whichever you've done to the least of them, you've done unto me. Uh, well, we were doing a lot to the least of them that I would have rather not done to the least of them. <laughs> I can remember something very similar to that when I was a little bit older. And that's, that's when I was throwing a newspaper with my mother. And my mother got a job throwing the Northwest Florida Daily News when I was a young man. And she was throwing these papers in the mornings, early morning, I had to wake up around 2.30 in the morning to get a big old pile of the papers which was delivered to a little tiny strip mall on the edge of town. We'd park there in her old beat up Nissan with rusted fenders and mud on the back. And we'd sit there and, and we'd have the heater blaring because it'd get a little cold in the morning sometimes, even in the summer. And we'd sit there waiting for this big old truck to come running up and he'd come running in and you'd hear that engine go, and it'd come rolling in hard enough to shake the seat in the car you were sitting in. And my mother would turn down the radio and she'd say, they're here, the papers are here. Now, we were always listening to the same thing. We were always listening to a country radio hour station, a country radio hour. They would play old songs and they'd play reruns of the grand old opry. And you'd hear these old boys sing these good songs. And my mother and I learned how to love this time of day, even though it was so early that no self-respecting person would ever get up at that time. And my mother and I would sit in that car and we'd listen and we'd sing along with John Conley and, and, and Don Williams and Tom T. Hall and Conway Twitty. My mother loves Conway Twitty. Oh, God. In fact, I'm fairly certain that the song, There's a Tiger in Them Tight-Fitting Jeans is the reason my mother got kicked out of adult Bible study. Because even though my mother, who liked to sample all the different denominations, we used to call my mother affectionately, the Bab-to-Methodicostal. <laughs> Bab-to-Methodicostal. That is a combination of a Baptist, a Methodist, and a Pentecostal. And occasionally, even though it's not in the title, occasionally she would visit the Church of Christ, but she couldn't stand it because they didn't have no music. Lord, I'm going to hell for that one. <laughs> Baptist Methodicostal. Baptist Methodicostal mama, like my mama was. She was the kind of woman who should not be listening to Conway Twitty. He had songs that were painfully suggestive. I mean, the, the, the adult Bible study group that my mother attended every Wednesday, these women were the kind of women who sit around and they put blue in their hair and they'd, they'd quilt sometimes just for the fun of it. They'd quilt these big old elaborate quilts. These were women who talked uh, with soft voices. They were not into Conway Twitty. But my mother loved him. There were two times in my life that my mother ever cried. Once when a bee flew in her ear and stung her right in the eardrum when she was out by the woodpile. And the next time was when Conway Twitty died. I'll never forget that. She was cruising up and she was cruising up to the dope Bible study and there was this song coming out of the radio. My mother said, quick, turn it down. But 
and I wasn't fast enough. And she jumped out of the blazer and, and she opened the door and the women saw her. And they heard that song, Conway Twitty, there's a tiger in them tight-fitting jeans. <laughs> and the leader of the group, Miss Truman, came up and she said, we're going to have to ask you to take a leave of absence. And so my mother visited the Methodist church, thus completing fully her circle with the Bible to Methodicostals. <laughs> there were several Bible to Methodicostal women that my mother knew, women who liked to listen to Conway Twitty in private. He had songs like Lay Me Down or Slow Hand. My mother, my mother could never listen to these in public. My mother and I would hop out of this little car, turn down the radio, hop out of the car, and we'd see this big old truck develop, uh, deliver this huge pallet of newspapers. I mean, this thing, this pallet was about the size of a Waffle House. <laughs> big, big old pallet. And we look at it in the cold of the, of the early summer, it gets cold here on the bay. A lot of people don't recognize that. We get temperatures up to 95, 97, but in the morning, sometimes it'll get cold. It'll freeze. It'll freeze your hind parts off. We have a big, big weather shift here in West Florida. My mother and I would get these papers. We'd load them into her Nissan. We would wrap these papers over and over in little rolls, and we'd cover them with rubber bands, and we would throw them into the back seat while we listened to songs like I Love little baby ducks and old pickup trucks and slow-moving trains and rain. I'd hear songs like, in the twilight glow I see blue eyes crying in the rain when we kissed goodbye and parted I knew we'd never meet again Oh, my mother would wrap these papers one by one and we'd throw them in the back seat until our back seat looked like it was so full that it was making our, the Nissan sink down five inches closer to the ground so that when my mother ever went over a bump in the road, there'd be sparks shooting out the bottom and it'd catch fire with the, with the backfire on my mother's tailpipe and you'd see flames behind us and my mother would look behind us and go, whoo, it's Dale Earnhardt driving today. And that was how we did every morning. Every morning, 2.30 in the morning, we'd wake up. My mother lived on coffee and bad habits. And we'd wrap them papers and we'd listen to things like the Grand Old Opera. And we'd hear the voice of Keith Bilbrey piping through the radio and announcing to the people when to clap and when not to clap. And then we'd deliver the spoken or the written word through a window to neighborhoods all over West Florida. And I remember we'd cruise through the neighborhoods. My mother would say, put your shoulder into it when you throw that paper. Well, she was the driver and I was the thrower. You got two jobs, the driver and the thrower. Put some shoulder into it, she'd say. I've seen you throw a baseball in the backyard. I know how hard you can throw. Throw it with some conviction. So the next house we got to, I rare back and I threw that paper as hard as I could throw it and it sailed through the air like a boomerang and it hit a huge screen plate glass window shattered it into a thousand pieces <laughs> my mother did what any God-fearing Baptist woman would do she just kept on driving <laughs> I think this might have been when in my life that I developed such a reverence for the written word because our paper was filled with columns these columnists their words were what we were delivering we deliver them every morning. 
Come rain or shine or sickness, for richer, for poor, for better, for worse, when you sign up to be a newspaper thrower, you have signed over your life. We even threw on Sundays. This is what makes my mother even the more dedicated Baptomethicostal that you have ever seen in your life because she would even do it on Sundays. We weren't growing up even allowed to go fishing on a Sunday. <laughs> Here my mother was during tough times throwing the newspaper. And that's the reverence we put on the written word. I, I, this was ingrained into my head. Two things that I grew to revere with a kind of semi-holiness. The newspaper and the written word and radio. Those two things, those two things got me through our day. Times were tough for my family. After my father died, our family went downhill fast. Once I used to be a smart boy in school. I really was. I mean, not, not you know, hugely smart, but I knew, I knew a few things. I had a few major talents, a few major talents. I could play the national anthem on my left armpit. And I was a poet. I was a poet. I'd written some of my best work on the boys' bathroom wall. <laughs> but after my father died, I became an uneducated hick. Didn't go to school until I was a grown man after I was married. I didn't go to school. I had to finish my college education as an adult, which is hard. My mother, though, was the glue that held our family together. And we would sit in her car in the mornings, and we would do this ritual every day, sipping coffee from styrofoam cups, listening to the sounds of Willie Nelson, Don Williams, and Conway Twitty, throwing newspapers which were filled with the words of columnists, which were filled with the news. And so one day later on in my life, after I did finish school, I decided that I would write I would write a little bit in column form. And so I did. I wrote, I wrote one such story, and it, my first story, one of my first stories, was about my mother. And it included, it included memories of going around and throwing the newspaper in the mornings and listening to the Grand Ole Opry. My story wasn't all that good, to tell you the truth, but, but I did my best. And I, I wrote in the same style of the columnists I grew up reading. We always had access to the newspaper because we threw it. And so I learned how to, to enjoy the cadence and the syntax of the sentences of columnists. They write short, punchy sentences because they don't have the room nor the luxury nor the time allowance to write in the long Faulkner-esque ways of the novelist. They have to be brief. They have to be punchy. I love that. So this story I wrote got published. And I decided that I would have it framed and I would go and I'd deliver it to my mother. And so I got in my, my truck after I had it framed. Small town newspaper story. No picture included. It just said, said the name of the story. And I drove across the sticks to go find a woman who was knelt behind her trailer, her 28-foot home house trailer where she lived. My mother was a voracious tomato gardener, and she was raising tomatoes in the backyard inside these tires which I had embedded halfway into the earth for her, filled with pot and soil. She is a great tomato gardener. 
She does vicious battle over the rights to these tomatoes with the local wildlife, namely the squirrels. But never fear. She has an old remedy which dates back to her granddaddy's 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 granddaddy, which is red man chewing tobacco in the water, put into a spritzer bottle and applied to the skin of these tomatoes. And if you visit her house later on in the afternoon, you can look high up into the trees and see the squirrels reclining in the branches, spitting. <laughs> I saw my mother there, knelt down, digging in the dirt. I had this little framed article, gold frame I got from the dollar store. Walked it up to her, adult man that I am. And I handed it to her. She looked at him, she said, oh my God, I can't believe it. My son's a writer? I said, yes, sir. I just thought maybe you'd like to have it. She said, go on in the trailer and hang this, hang this in my bedroom. I walked into her trailer up that little, that little set of wooden steps that led to her trailer, bolted to the side of the, of the sheet metal, walked inside. My mother had decorated the trailer with throw pillows and curtains, which she'd sewn from old pieces of lace she'd bought from the thrift store. My mother could take anything and repurpose it and make it beautiful, and she could decorate the inside of a county morgue and make it look glorious with enough lace and throw pillows. And I saw her little bedroom and I placed this little article on the wall of her bedroom and next to this picture was a picture of me and her. And she fit underneath the crook of my arm. In the picture, this awkward boy and his mama. And I remember that picture when it was taken. And I remember the morning before it was taken, when we'd been sitting in a Nissan that was just idling, we were listening to songs to the Grand Ole Opry, to the sounds of steel guitars and twin fiddles and, and intros that, that make you want to stomp your foot or clap your hands or do both at the same time. I remembered the route that we used to drive, the zigzag route all the way through the neighborhoods when we'd throw these newspapers through the window. And I remembered this. And today, here I am doing the two things that once long ago a Baptimethicostal woman <laughs> kind of thought that I would do. When we first started our podcast, we aired it over the podcast, you know, airwaves, and we had a total of six listeners. Six listeners. And five of these listeners were from China and were trying to sell us uh, optimized web services. And one of our listeners was a Nigerian prince offering to give us $70,000 if we would only open a bank account in his name. And one of our listeners, one of our listeners, was a Baptist-Methodicostal woman who loves the summer evenings when the crickets get out and start screaming and the yellow flies the size of Shetland ponies start coming out and sucking the blood out of your body. What a better time, what a better time to talk about the fires of hell and the judgment that cometh. I love you, Mother. I love you very much. And that's all for me today. Thank you very much for having me this evening. It's been a wonderful Thank you very much.
Thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host today, Sean Dietrich. And man, it's been a bona fide pleasure, if I do say so myself. This episode was brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition of my family dating back to my granddaddy. He once said the best way to cure idle hands was to build something. So keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. And by Folklore Brewing Company, quite literally the best brew in Alabama. Look them up today at Folklore Brewing and Meadery. The music you heard behind me today was Hearts Gone South, original classic style country and honky-tonk music full of heart, soul, and laced with wit and woe, bringing fire and feeling to age-old stories of heartbreak, love, and victory, and they have a screaming steel guitar. Look them up online. It will be a blessing to you at Hearts Gone South. To find anything more about what I do, you can visit seanofthesouthshow.com, and there you can find archived episodes dating back to our very first episode to this episode episode which you just heard and while you're there i hope you take the time to drop me a line tell me about your birthday announcements wedding invitations and potluck socials and i do my best to read them over there for my friends because i love to do that sort of stuff for my friends and speaking of friends friends be careful when you order calamari in a restaurant i don't want to tell you what it might really be adios